It's the Euros Digest here on Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark. Anyone got a sore head? Well, after all the years of hurt, crushed dreams and underachieving, England are in a major tournament final. 55 years of heroic failures wiped out in one night and the bacon tastes sweeter this morning. To look back on England's 2-1 win over Denmark after extra time, of course, we have Bristol Live's sports editor, James Piercy, and Theo Squires of the Liverpool Echo. Gents, I hope you're both well. Theo, I'll come to you first. You were inside Wembley, and, uh, well, for, for us mere mortals, James and I, we were watching at home, jumping up and down, but the atmosphere inside the stadium, right from sort of the, the build-up to the final whistle, must have been gripping. It was incredible, like... I think it's even more special when you think we've not had fans for 18 months. And it's been one of those where throughout the tournament, in the group games, it was 22 and a half, then you had 40. But to hear 60, well, 65, 66,000 fans, wasn't it? Just like that from the very beginning. And it was as soon as the chant started and like the hour before kickoff, whether it was three Lions or Freed from Desire, even Atomic Kitten got a run out and now they've done their little re-release. The fans were fully on board for all of them. We've just said before recording that not once were the fans against the team or anything when they fell behind when things weren't going their way on the pitch. You think they know how special this England team are. That's probably one of Gareth Southgate's biggest successes, isn't it? There's no clicks in this squad. Like From the Liverpool point of view, you're not looking at well, now Jadon Sancho or Harry Maguire going, oh, she's a United player. Oh, it's a Chelsea player. It's really likeable England squad. And the fans are fully on board with all of that. And whilst you've got individual players you can pick out through this run, the fans have more than played their part. I know that the foreign teams are having their moans about it all being at Wembley and England having such an advantage because their fans can't travel to go to the games. But I have seen plenty of Denmark fans last night inside Wembley. There were plenty of Italians and Spaniards there on Tuesday night as well. It's not as though they're not getting representation in the stadium. So it's just the same as any other tournament. The home crowd gets the advantage. They've got the English fans. And when it's off the back of a pandemic, they're going to be more vocal. They're going to be more in a party mode. And then you throw in a semi-final and a final for extra cherry on top of it all. Uh, it's all coming together nicely. Hopefully it can be a deciding factor on Sunday. We shall see. But so far, the, the joy carries on. The journey carries on. Everyone's just in party mode. Yeah, and after 55 years, James, back in a, a, a final of a major tournament, it's at Wembley again, of course, as it was in, in 66. But it, just getting over that line felt so sweet. I think a lot of us didn't quite know what the nerves we were feeling in, in extra time were because... I mean, even even going back to 1996, it's been such a long time since England really were were that close to getting to a finals of the European Championships. It was, but what was interesting, <clears throat> with with the exception perhaps of that period in the first half leading up to Downsguard's free kick, was this was a another knockout game where you have to say England were the dominant side, and I think even even three years ago against Croatia. I think, you know, England start pretty well. But Croatia took control of that game and you kind of just sensed it was getting away from England. And I think it's been alluded to that Southgate was well aware of that and he's made sort of changes to, to certain things to, to stop that happening. And I don't know, it was a horrendously stressful experience. I don't know if it was easier being in the stadium. I'm not sure. Sometimes I think being at the game is, is, is easier because you almost feel you can, you can influence proceedings a little bit. But oh, it, was, it was a real tough watch. But at the same time, I was sort of my my concern was more they were going to sort of reference the Vince Lombardi quote we didn't lose we ran out of time I was one I was worried it was going to go to penalties simply because Denmark were being pretty resolute I I I, I didn't really 
maybe that's a, I don't want to say an arrogant, but I didn't have much concern the Dane scoring after about an hour. It just seemed England just had sort of total control of the game. Um, so it was strange. I, I was sort of stressed about the penalties coming, really. That was that was my main concern. Um, but I think I think the whole performance, as well as the result, with the exception of that little wobble in the first half, it just it just shows you how far how far England have come under Gareth Southgate. You know the way they close the game out, just pinging the ball around every player. I think every player. How many how many passes was that in the last two minutes of extra time? And when have we ever seen an England team do that in any game? It just doesn't happen, I and mean, they've done it. They've done it in a in, in the European Championship semi final. Okay, Denmark are on their legs. I think they had men at that stage because substitutions of the injury. So. It was kind of it was kind of gone. Obviously, the crowd were buzzing. You get the Olays every pass, but it just doesn't happen with England. It's just you know, and it was just in the end they actually finished it off with relative ease. Once you know, once um, I say relative ease because obviously in the penalty, <laughs> but it was yeah, it was it was it was it, it was it was. I mean, it's just huge. But it's interesting that they've kind of got over the hump, if you like, by not being the England that we've come to know. Um, was yeah, is, uh, as 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 Theo said, with in terms of Gareth South, one of Gareth Southgate's greatest achievements is kind of how he's got the public on board, got he's tapped into this kind of nationalism that isn't particularly offensive, if you like, and kind of everyone embraces, and he's got an incredibly likable group of players as well, which with with respect to some of the guys in the past, some you know with the factions, but there was always this kind of you know the 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 the, the distance between fans and players. Haven't got that anymore, um, but also he, he's just made England different. Um, they're more streetwise. They kind of close games out. They're more organised. There's a structure. There's a plan. It is dramatic and stressful, but you know that's part of the fun. But at the same time, they do have this controlling games, which, which, which you know helps. And obviously, he's got to help get them over the line. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk a bit then, sort of about the game. We'll, we'll go. We won't go chronologically. We'll go sort of through the, the the big talking points, and the biggest of all, we're getting a fair few comments in whilst we're recording. Theo is is all about the penalty and the fact it wasn't for me watching in real time. It looked to me as though it, it was a clear penalty. You got the wrong side of Myler, but then you see the the replays, and all of a sudden you think, ah, actually. But I suppose the implementation of VAR through this tournament hasn't been to re-referee. It's been to where possible, kind of back up the, the referee's on-field call because we saw the incident with Harry Kane and the penalty that wasn't given. Well, watching it live, I thought it was, but I don't have the benefit of the replay. I've still not seen a replay, so I know people say it's gone down easily in that. But it's when VAR check comes up, I was more concerned about the second ball on the pitch than what Sterling was doing. Because <laughs> he almost ran into it. You think, isn't that an obstruction? Like If that ball's on the pitch, don't they have to just stop play and do a drop ball or something? But it was one of those where there had been a couple of penalty shouts throughout the game, which looked more of a penalty than the one Sterling got. But then it's one where it's what Raheem Sterling does. He, he's great at going down easily, shall we say. And it's something that England have lacked in times and they've gone out in tournaments as a result of not having that uh, nasty edge to them. It was only, I think, when Michael Owen really broke through that we first started to see English players actually doing it in games. But then you've got to remember, this is England. This is a semi-final of a, a national tournament. Of course, it's going to be about penalties. Of course, it's going to be a missed penalty. The only difference is in extra time, they can actually put in a rebound. 
But uh, it doesn't matter whether it was a dive or not because all teams are guilty of it. Like we saw um, Italy when they got the um, goal in the quarterfinal when a mobile rolling around on the ground looking for a penalty and then he's straight up to his feet. So, well, are we lauding Italy for being one of the best teams of the tournament playing so well? They're likeable as well. We're not having a, a massive go at them for doing the exact same thing. On our Echo page, I was um, doing the, the Facebook Live of the final whistle and you've got all the, the homegrown fans cheering it, but then you've got a load of other fans going, you don't deserve it, Sterling dived, just giving them abuse. And it's that interesting juxtaposition there. It's always uh, one where if you're not the team that it's happening for, you hate to see it. But with England have had it a go against them enough times over the years. You just have to think of like the hand of God, don't you? That, that, that is the obvious one. But there have been so many, so much worse than a soft penalty. Uh, I saw we did a nice call last night saying that the free kick shouldn't have stood because um, Denmark had three men moving in the wall before it was taken and that's obstruction on the keeper. It's like, well, if you want to go down nitty gritty on every single decision, over-analyse it and then disallow it, you take the fun out of it. And that's why the Premier League has been a, a bit miserable this past season. It's been quite refreshing not having VR being so invasive and you're watching things and you don't have a clue which way they're going to go because it's just you can't tell it on that side. Uh, the referee's seen a decision, made a decision on what he's seen in the game. And in the game, in live action, it did look like it was enough for a penalty. Thankfully, it was. And thankfully, Harry Kane was alert enough to get to the rebound because up to that point, Kasper Schmeichel, what a game he had. So many great saves time and time again. And it wasn't a surprise to see him keep up the spot kick. But yeah, Harry Kane, alert enough to put in the rebound. Uh, if it goes to penalties against Italy... Hopefully uh, none of those misses got them out of the way now. That is the big one we can talk about for Euro 2020. And that's all have successful ones now. Yeah, hope hope that is the case. But in terms of, yeah, even the thing about the, the Denmark free kick, Harry Maguire straight away was appealing to the referee, saying that they, they were moving. But obviously it was a futile sort of argument in the end. But James Theo saying there he hadn't seen a replay of the penalty. What was your take on it? Uh, yes, I mean, if, if it's if it's again if it's against you, you're raging. I mean, it's simple as that. I mean, Raheem Sterling. I, I'm not saying it's a it's an out and out dive because he moved. His, for some reason, he seemed even faster last night at points. I was like, he, it's like he some kind of like picked up a bonus on like some kind of computer game. He just like his, his acceleration on like, over like ten yards was absolutely insane. But when it when he when he that sort of point when he runs at defenders and, and I think you have to make the point as well it was a little bit silly I think it was Jensen the substitute who kind of left his leg in and you do think with defenders I know it's an instinctive thing and you know who am I to criticize a professional but you do think Raheem Sterling you 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 you, you open that door he's going to take the opportunity um but yeah I I, I would I thought it was I didn't I didn't think it was a penalty I, you know, but once the referee gave it, obviously, and they check it on VNR, v, sorry, VAR, it, it, it's about you know clear and obvious, clear and obvious um, mistake error, and 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 it wasn't that because there is semblance of a case there, but it was soft. I think it was soft, and I think if if if, if that's against England, we'd be right now talking about the officials rather than rather than, um, you know, the, the defeat, if you know what I mean. So yeah, they got yeah. one, as as Theo said, <clears throat> we've had <laughs> tons of incidents in tournaments past go against us um, because, as I said earlier, we just weren't that streetwise. And I know it's not particularly a, a side of the game and everyone likes to moralise and it's like, oh, we should be pure and, and all this. But maybe England do need a bit of dirtiness about them. Maybe, maybe England do need a bit, you know, you saw Harry Kane, 
six foot plus guy, massive guy. You know, he, he dare I say, it, he goes down quite easily sometimes. But it's because he's smart. It's because he's winning fouls. It's because he's, he's, you know, he's, he's keeping possession. It's, it's taking things over. Sometimes you just got to play a bit, a bit smart and not, and not um, constantly, you know, it be in awe to the to the these mythical football gods who are pure and lovely. And it's, it, look, like I said, it, it's it, it it probably wasn't a penalty, but. Obviously, with England hat on, you're going to take it. Um, I think it, it, it's, a, it's a funny one. It's an interesting argument. It's a very interesting argument in terms of the overall sort of morals and ethics of football. Um, but we're so far down the line now, um, sort of for and against, that you just kind of got to go go with it, really. Yeah, for me, I think there was a sort of a, a bit of contact in there. But it, it was one of them where I suppose it probably wasn't, yeah, yeah, one of those where not all contacts are penalty, but thankfully for England it was. So <laughs> let's take it and move on. Thea, I want to ask you about Raheem Sterling. And he's he's obviously, with with your sort of lean from the Liverpool echo, as it were, as well, having seen him break through and he's not the most popular man on, on Merseyside these days, but he, he's had a fair bit of criticism slung his way, thrown his way. But this tournament, I think he's going to be right up there for being the player of the tournament. And James said before, I think other than the bit where he miscontrolled the ball, where he was all ready to go off on one of his mazy runs, he just gets everybody on their feet, doesn't he? Because every time you know he can commit a defender and beat them as well. Sometimes the touch you think's too fine. He's not going to be able to get the ball around the round the defender. And yet he seems to be able to do it every single time. Yeah, I think within like the first five minutes of the game last night, you knew this was one for Raheem Sterling. Like Danes, just historically, you don't think of them as having quick defenders. <laughs> that, that's the case, isn't it? That's one of the reasons why um, they put them against Vestergaard, I think, in the, the second half. But it was always going to be one of those where you get the pace, you get Sterling running down his uh, defenders, and he's going to beat them. He's going to get crosses into the box. He's going to cut inside and shoot. And it's just what he's been doing all tournament he's getting better and better with each game and there's such a confidence in him i suppose it's been a blessing that he's not had a good city uh, season for man city like you think how good he was last year and then um, the season we just finished he was in and out the team yeah he got the place in the champions league final but i think that was a surprise when that team seat dropped because you saw for the grounds before that in the final months of the season he wasn't pep guardiola's first choice there were transfer rumors saying that it'd be uh being sold this summer that City would even sacrifice him to bring Harry Kane in and all of this. And he's just taking it all on the chin and he's putting in the form of his, arguably his England career. He's been an important England player for a good few years now, pretty much ever since Southgate came in. But this tournament, he has been incredible. Like He's got the goals when they needed them. Like England weren't brilliant in the group stages, but he's got the winners against Croatia, Czech Republic, set them on their way against Germany. And that was a vital goal at a vital time brilliant assist against Ukraine and it, definitely if England are going to do against anything against Italy which will be another slow defence but just know how to defend he is going to be crucial to that because he's got such quick feet when he first came through at Liverpool he was a quick youngster yes but he liked that composure didn't he he didn't really have tricks he could beat a man if it was a straight run but it sometimes run down a blind alley and all this. But now he's got that confidence. He's got that final ball. He's got that streetwiseness, that maturity to his performance. And everything just goes his way. And it's pretty much since the turning point for England in this tournament, when uh, Southgate realised that the pace was going to be so key and he went for Sterling, Saka, Sancho when Saka was out, rather than playing his playmakers. Like, it's a very Spanish way when you're having Foden and Grealish or Mason Mount out wide. 
English football it's, it loves the pace, it makes the difference, it wins your games. And Sterling, well, he's just incredible. Southgate said it in his post-match press conference when he was questioned about um, Grealish coming off. It's like, why didn't you take off Raheem? So, did you not see his performance? He was the best player by absolute miles, and that that has been the case throughout the tournament. And you'd like to see it continue in the final because right up there with one of the players in the tournament, he's going to be in the team of the tournament at least, isn't he? And then it's well, is he England's best player at this? He's up there with Jordan Pickford. Like, he didn't have the best game last night, but throughout the tournament, they've been crucial to get in at this stage. You think, well, Harry Kane's just made the knockout stages his own. England bringing it together when it matters. Key players stepping up and delivering. Uh, it's not something you could say very much in the golden generation, but we can say it now. Yeah, I was saying through the group stage, I think that, that Harry Kane was going to come good, wait for the knockout stages. It used to happen with Michael Owen fairly frequently and even too with Gary Lineker and it's happened for Harry Kane, thank, thankfully for England. Let's go through sort of a, a few of the other talking points then. And Theo referenced it, it there, James, in terms of Jack Grealish coming on and then being taken off in extra time. And I suppose it weaves into the point about Raheem Sterling that certainly with Kane and Sterling, the forward guys, and then the, the two centre halves and the goalkeeper, there is kind of that spine now through this team. And, and I, I think you can probably put Rice and, and Phillips into it now that Southgate is harnessing this kind of cohesion within a unit where these players are getting used to playing with each other game in game out and he's going to keep these players on because they don't let him down yeah i mean yes uh there is if you look at the if you look at the kind of the team and how it's evolved through the tournament um if we look back to the croatia game you know there's been six or seven um obviously mason mount came out after the scotland game but that was not selection i think mason mount would have played against um Sorry, I'm doing that thing where everyone says Mason Mount rather than Mount. But um, <laughs> and, you know he would have played against the Czech Republic if not for the for the for the COVID issue. So you can look at a sort of a six or seven, maybe eight players, and then everyone else kind of interchanges around that. Um, I think, yeah, I mean as Theo said with Sterling, he, he had to stay on because he was just stretching that defence. That you know the defence they they played pretty well defensively. I thought um, Denmark. And but they're just increasingly leggy. Obviously, someone like Vestergaard, which pace isn't is isn't, isn't really part of his game. Um, it was crucial to keep that on. And Kane, Kane is so important because once you remove him from that attack, there's no, there's just no sort of focal point. There's no one to play around. He's, he's almost like he's he's kind of like a, a landmark, if you like, on a map for, for players um, to play into. Um, and, and, and Sterling becomes in that that that, that other outlet. To create space for others, it's it's, it's hard. It, 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 it was harsh and greenish. No, no one likes a sub for a sub. It's kind of the ultimate humiliation. But it does show how much almost we kind of need to change our thinking a bit about what football is now. And it's not. I'm going to sound terribly cliche here, but it's not eleven. It's not eleven v eleven. You need a squad. Um, often it's fifteen. You know, sixteen players can contribute to a match day and the. And the fact, and this is why, in a way, England have got as far as they have. And you can look at Italy as well, who've got a very deep squad. Um, and it's perhaps why someone like Belgium came up short, because they didn't have that extra beyond their sort of first 11. Um, and it's a huge asset England have got. And it also speaks a lot. I mean, I don't know how Jack Grealish is feeling inside, but outwardly, he seemed to take it incredibly well. 
And I think, you know, again, we keep going on about Southgate, but in terms of the culture he's created and, and, and you look at previous generations and the idea of someone like Stephen, well, like Stephen Gerrard won't be a substitute. I'm trying to think of, of an example of a player coming on and then when being withdrawn. Gerrard, uh, he seems like someone would happen to. Yeah, it just wouldn't, it just, it would have caused so much drama. I mean, admittedly, England go and win the game, so that helps. But, I think it speaks a lot to the wider culture, team ethic, Grealish himself as well, to be fair, that it's it's a little bit of a footnote in the end. Um, whilst at the time, as we're like, whoa, what's happening here? It's, it's, proven, it's proven to be the right decision. And also, Phil Foden was obviously on at that time, so he kind of had that ball carrier who, who, can, who can, you know, the ball sticks to, can maybe draw in a few before moving it on. So it, it, that, that helped make that decision as well. Following on from that, um, Southgate was saying about Grealish, his response was, we're in the final, I don't care, job done, it doesn't matter. And throughout all his uh, press conferences throughout this tournament, Southgate has always been quick to praise the players who aren't in the team, the ones who aren't getting enough game time. Rashford was name dropped last night, uh, earlier in the tournament, it was the likes of Calvert-Lewin. Even last night, he was going to Jesse Lingard, Ward-Prowse, Ollie Watkins, Trent Alexander-Arnold. All of them have played a part in this. And they've known their roles in the squad. They've not sulked when they've been left out of the starting eleven. when they've been left out of the squad. We saw Jesse Lingard getting left out of the squad and they're putting a star and role in a friendly the next day. They know how important the group is together. And they're, they're, they're great mates, aren't they? They all get on. It doesn't matter whether you're a teenager, Jude Bellingham, or whether you're the older head like Jordan Henderson. They're all in it together. And it's so refreshing to watch it from an England side. And it's one where I think... Going to the final, you know the 11 pretty much he's going to pick. You can say nine or ten of them. But there's a good few players on that bench that could, could be aggrieved not to be starting. Like if Jordan Henderson, this is going to be biased, Liverpool head, blah, 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 wasn't coming into this tournament injured, he is first choice without a doubt. He is the vice captain. He is the most important midfielder they've got in that engine room. And he is the one with the experience of being in semi-finals, finals, winning Champions League, winning Premier Leagues. But Phillips and Rice have delivered so well for Southgate. You can see why he doesn't want to change it. So it's almost becoming a starting 12, starting 13, because you know Henderson is going to get a good 20, 30 minutes under his belt here. And he's going to help them see games out. He's going to make a big difference. And it's been the case for a few of them. Like Grealish has come on as a sub in most of these games and made a big difference. He's got assists in a couple of games. Kieran Trippier, when they've needed that extra head defensively, like he came on and did really well last night when they switched to the back five. And then you think, well, Foden, he's starting the tournament first choice, but he's not sold that he's dropped out. He's just gone on there, happy to be playing his part, happy to see his teammates doing well. Saka, there was a game where he wasn't even in the squad, and then he's come back in. He's really lifted the place up. He's been one of the surprises of the tournament for England. And Jude Bellingham, I could just go through all the subs that have had game time here. They've all made an impact when they've come on. And it's one where you, you know the eleven is gonna he's gonna choose, you know the subs he's gonna choose, but it is very much that sixteen will get them over the line rather than it's the eleven and then see what you've got. Yeah, I think it's what is it Ben White, Connor Cody, and, and Ben Sherwell, the only three not to have not to have played so far. It, it's kind of shown the depth, hasn't it, that, that England really do have, and sort of hitting the nail on the head there, Theo, sort of going through it all. And and for me, 
even earlier on in the tournament, I was thinking Jordan Henderson surely had to come in for someone like Declan Rice, but credit to him last night. He was absolutely brilliant and maybe has more of that defensive instinct. I don't think his passing range is maybe as good as Henderson's, but certainly that defensive instinct to be able to intercept and block off passing channels. And it will be crucial. But one thing we did see last night, of course, before we kind of wrap up was finally... Uh, James England's defence was breached. It was a brilliant free kick, but I suppose it just it just adds into the melting pot that what England did in terms of having to go through adversity to to come out the other end. Absolutely, um, and it's possibly uh, maybe sounds a bit silly, but it might be a good one to get out of the way um, to, to to concede. Um, sort of because almost uh, I don't know would it add to the pressure that you have not conceded, so you're going into the final. So oh, we can win this having not conceded. I don't know, but anyway, that narrative gone. Um, yeah, it was a great free kick. I don't know, should, should Pitford have done a bit better? Um, obviously, he got in, uh, slightly unsighted by the sort of clever work by, by Denmark in the wall. But other than that, I mean, there was a couple of there was a couple of chances, weren't there, just around the around the penalty area where there was sort of dr- low drilled shots that Pick, Pickford did well to save. But there wasn't any sort of head on hands moments. Um, defensively, and I mean, I'm like everyone else. I mean, this was the concern coming into the tournament, wasn't it? it was was England's defence um, in terms of a personnel and b just kind of how they've been playing? There were sort of concerns about concentration and all this kind of thing. But I mean, John Stones has been sensational. Um, everyone was like, well, without Ruben Diaz, are we going to see Manchester City? John Stones, but we have. So you know, let's end that one now. Maguire, I, I mean, we're talking about players of the tournament. Maguire has just been faultless for me. I'm not really sure what he does that isn't good, (laughs) both on and off the ball. Um, But to go back to Theo's point as well about Henderson, obviously Rice and Phillips have been absolutely crucial to that in terms of that pivot, the double pivot, because it's just given England that bit more structure. Um, There was a couple of moments in the first half, actually, in that period, and it would be actually interesting how Southgate analyses where this game started to get away with them, away from them, the first half, because there was a few moments where the centre backs were getting drawn into midfield, and it was open up space, and Downs was getting through. Um, and uh, likewise, Italy will probably look at that, where you know, obviously the house sort of fluid their forwards are. Um, but, but defensively, yeah, they've been absolutely um, fantastic. It's going to be the biggest test they've had without question in the final. It's going to be the best attack they've played. Um, so they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to take it up another level. Yeah, we've got obviously a few more days of pods previewing the final. But Theo, I will ask you, given you, you've been at all the, the the Wembley matches, you've seen Italy a couple of times now in the flesh. What do you make of them? Uh, well, after their first game of the tournament, I said tongue-in-cheek, they've peaked too early. <laughs> and now they've got to the final. I'd like to stick to that. Um, but they've been a great team to watch throughout it. They've got some really good players, that midfield and even the centre-backs, it's just so intimidating. Like England, it's very much this young group coming through. You wait and see the best of players in the years ahead. But Italy's defence has been there, done it all. Mancini has just had the magic touch for them, hasn't he? Like, was it 30-odd games now without um, losing? I don't think they've even conceded first in those games, have they? It's just an insane run. But against the Spanish, I thought the Spain were the better team against them. Spain were passing the ball around well, well on top. And while it was an end-to-end game, Italy had their chances. If Spain had had a prolific striker, if they'd had a Harry Kane, Spain would have won. And it's one where, even against Austria, the game I saw at Wembley, them, they rode their luck a bit. Austria had their chances as well. It was sitting deep, counter-attacking football. 
getting forward. It's just about making your chances count. Uh, England can create chances against uh, this Italian team. They've got Raheem Sterling. They've got Harry Kane. The concern is what they do in that midfield. Because when you've got the likes of Jorginho, Verratti, you know they're so good on the ball. They're going to keep possession. It's whether you can get on top of them and get control of the game. And it's going to be so important to manage to do that, to win this game. Because these are players that have been playing in the Champions League for years. In respect to Rice and Phillips, well, Phillips was in the Championship two years ago. Rice is still very much a young player. Granted, he's made uh, pretty much West Ham captain now, isn't he? But he's not got that top European experience. He's not got these games. And they're making this experience now at European Championships. It's going to be the toughest night of their careers. And it's one where if they come through it, it'll be the night of their careers. But this Italy team, it has been a joy to watch throughout the tournament. I think everyone has said that. It's like if you weren't biased, if England weren't in this final, you'd say Italy deserve winners because they have played so well and they've been exciting to watch. But there's still bit holes in that team. There's still something you can get at if you keep hold of the ball and you can take your chances. It sounds very simple and very black and white when you put it like that because obviously that's how you win football, isn't it? Keeping hold of the ball and scoring your chances. But England have done it in uh, spells in this tournament so far. If they're at their best. It's in their hands. Let's see what happens. As long as they don't start poorly and let Italy get on top of them. But then Germany gave them a good experience of how they can respond from that anyway, how they can get hold of the possession after starting a game poorly. And with the 60,000 England crowd behind them, uh, hopefully that will play into advantage because you know the Italians who are at Wembley will be loud and we'll get the joy of hearing that national anthem at Wembley one more time, which is iconic. But yeah, all about England having it in them to get it over the line if they're at their best. Yeah, I hope that is how it does play out. The nerves will descend, I'm sure. But for now, it's excitement for England reaching a first major tournament final in 55 years. From myself, Guy Clark, James Piercy and Theo Squires, thanks for your time and your company here on this edition of the Euro Digest. It's bye for now.